Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports friendly perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Monday, April 25th, Ian Cameron flying solo in the host's chair today. Ready to break down, well, not much of an NHL card. It is one game and one game only, and it is about as uninspiring a game as you could ask for here in the final week of the regular season. Two teams playing for exercise, essentially, uh, Philadelphia, Chicago, but it's a hockey game. It's an NHL regular season game. It's got a betting line. It's got a sides totals. It's got props. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to see if we can make some money from this one game, albeit not the most glamorous game by any stretch of the imagination tonight in the NHL uh, for this Monday, April the 25th. We'll also look back at the weekend and we're going to start a lot of the show doing that. Of course, uh, Andrew, Alex, Jimmy, they'll be back tomorrow. I mean, Andrew spent the weekend in Montreal. Of course, he attended the uh, Habs and the Bruins game last night. He's on his way back home, I believe, today. Uh, Alex doesn't like the game tonight anyway, so I just said, you yeah, know, take the day off. Jimmy's uh, doing uh, work stuff as usual. So we figured just me today, and we'll get everyone back in the saddle tomorrow for what will be a massive day here for the Ice Guys. Not only our daily show tomorrow on Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, where we will have a whopping 13 games on the Tuesday slate. Here we go again. You go from one game tonight to 13 games tomorrow. So that's just the way it goes uh, right now. But uh, you've got 13 NHL games tomorrow, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. We will break them all down, me and the crew. And then, of course, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, Eastern time, we've got our final, our very not, not, not our very final betcast because we're going to have them uh, throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs on Tuesdays just like we did throughout the regular season. But tomorrow night will be our final regular season Ice Guys BetCast, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Looking forward to that. And what a great Tuesday night. I mean, during our BetCast tomorrow night, you look at the schedule and you look at the games that are uh, uh, in front of us. You've got the battle for first place in the Metro Division, Carolina and the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden. That should be a terrific hockey game. Edmonton and Pittsburgh. Both playing for positioning. They're going head-to-head. That's a nice East versus West matchup. Florida versus Boston. Florida, took, I think, just one win away from clinching uh, first place in the Atlantic Division. Uh, Boston 
outside chance of tracking down Tampa Bay uh, for third in the Atlantic, but not totally out of the realm of possibility yet. Calgary against Nashville, a game that obviously for Nashville, they're continuing to look to cement their playoff positioning as a wild card team. Uh, you've got uh, St. Louis and Colorado. St. Louis is trying to keep pace with Minnesota uh, for home ice uh, in the first round and second place in, in the Central Division. And uh, the biggest of all, perhaps, tomorrow night, uh, just from a playoff implication standpoint, it doesn't get much bigger than this. It's certainly going to be win or your season's over for the Vegas Golden Knights as they travel to Dallas to take on the Dallas Stars uh, in a game that Vegas has to win. That's as a team they've got to try to catch. Uh, and uh, certainly after letting a point slip by uh, the cracks last night against San Jose, it becomes even more important for Vegas tomorrow night. A huge, huge game that is. Uh, the Golden Knights and Stars will also be part of that Tuesday night slate tomorrow night and part of the BetCast as well. So it is a exciting card. It's chock full of meaningful matchups, and we're looking forward to it. So that BetCast tomorrow night is going to be uh, lit, uh, as they say. Uh, looking forward to that uh, tomorrow night for sure. All right, let's look back at uh, specifically yesterday because it was a huge card, and then we'll get into Flyers Blackhawks, and we will wrap it up. This will be a short show. Uh, we'll just talk about the games where there was really uh, something to talk about. We'll start with Carolina and the Islanders. Uh, five to two win for Carolina, but that's not the story. The story is anti Ranta getting injured when this team is already without Frederick Anderson, their number one goalie. And the one thing I've learned about these two goaltenders over my time watching the NHL and watching them over the last couple of years is that these two do not heal quickly. They do not. Neither one. When they get hurt, they don't really get back into the lineup uh, all that soon. And that's got to be a grave concern here for uh, the Carolina Hurricanes uh, moving forward. Uh, right now, uh, there's no update. All we know is it's day-to-day lower body injury for anti-Ranta uh, after that game Sunday against the Islanders. Uh, Pyotr Kochetkov had to come in and replace him and actually did a fairly decent job when you think about it uh, in that uh, game, uh, held the fort. Only gave up the one goal and allowed Carolina to get the victory uh, in that game. But now you are really staring at the possibility uh, of both Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta not being ready for a game one uh, in the first round next week. Uh, and that is definitely something that um, is concerning for Carolina. I don't care how much confidence and and, and trust they have in this youngster, Kochetkov, but Nevertheless, you'd, you're going to throw him into, obviously, uh, throw him right into the fire, essentially, uh, if he's going to have to start game one of a playoff series for the Hurricanes next week. But we're jumping the gun a little bit saying that. Let's see how the week progresses. We'll see how uh, Frederick Anderson progresses from his injury. Uh, the latest update on him is really there is no update. Uh, you know, they said uh, back on uh, April uh, 18th, which was a week ago today, that he'd be out at least a week and then he'd be reevaluated. So, this is exactly one week from that time when they'd said he'd be a week, be out a week and be reevaluated. So today's the day he's going to be checked out again. And we're going to probably know more uh, about Frederick Anderson's status moving forward. And again, as for anti Ranta, it's looking right now like it's day to day for him. So uh, very, very uh, worrisome news in between the pipes right now for Carolina. Uh, we'll see what comes of that. Uh, but they beat the Islanders 5-2. Columbus with a rather surprising 5-2 win over the Edmonton Oilers. That's a disappointing setback for them. 
not exactly the game Miko Koskinen was hoping for. I mean, he's he's pretty much going to be the backup at playoff time to Mike Smith. It was pretty much set in stone anyway. But if you, there was one little, just one little opening, just a tiny little crack of an opening for Miko Koskinen to show Jay Woodcroft and the Oilers that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good too. Give me a shot here maybe to be the guy in the playoffs. Well, he didn't take advantage of it yesterday uh, and that's putting it mildly not a not a great game from him by any stand uh, by any stretch of the imagination they end up losing five the, the whole team was pretty poor to be quite honest with you yesterday it's it's, it's unfair to put it all on the uh, shoulders of Koskinen yesterday but yeah, the whole team was just not really that sharp an early start game obviously you know 11 a.m local time uh, going on the road, lowly Columbus team, kind of sleepwalking and look, paid the price for it. And congrats to Nick Blankenberg uh, of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Another one of those great Michigan Wolverine players from this past season that are now uh, infiltrating their way into the National Hockey League here uh, late in the regular season, along with the likes of Owen Power uh, and the likes of Matt Beneers. And what a job by uh, Blankenberg yesterday. Two points, gets his first NHL goal uh, as well for the uh, Jackets. Uh, a very good outing for him and a sign of someone that's going to be maybe a uh, someone that the Jackets long term can have uh, really help rehabilitate and stabilize uh, this franchise uh, moving forward and get it turned around. He'll probably be a big part in that uh, because uh, certainly he's been impressive here in his first two games with the uh, Jackets. And from a player prop standpoint, we mentioned him. It was worth a look for a prop yesterday on Blankenberg score a goal and certainly to get a point. He did better than that, and certainly uh, the last couple games we get with the Jackets here, the Nick Blankenberg props are st- are definitely going to be once again on my radar. Uh, the Flyers, how about I'll tell you what on the on the bingo card of things that I expected to happen on the Sunday NHL slate yesterday, Martin Jones allowing just one goal to the Pittsburgh Penguins was not one of them. Uh, that was a, a very much a surprise yesterday. Uh, but give the Flyers credit; they uh, beat Pittsburgh four to one. And again, with this Pittsburgh team, they're in a spot where you know, yeah, positioning is still on the table for them in these remaining regular season games in terms of motivation. But you know, how motivated are you to get the third spot? You're still not gonna. You're still gonna have to start the playoffs next week in Game One on the road. You know, it's just a matter of you know, do you want to play someone else? I don't know. Instead of uh, another opponent, but. You look at it, they're third uh, in the Metro, and they actually remain third uh, in the Metro because Washington ends up only getting a point last night uh, against Toronto uh, in an overtime loss, or a shootout loss, rather, uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-3. Winnipeg, 4-1 over Colorado. I didn't want to back either team, although I am. If you would have told me in that game, because I mentioned on the show yesterday, the Avalanche are a bet against team. They are a fade for me the rest of the season. They have clearly, you know, They've checked out when it comes to the regular season. They're looking forward to the playoffs now. That's become clear. Losing now to Washington, to Seattle, to Edmonton, and now, of course, yesterday to uh, Winnipeg. That's four losses in a row for the Avalanche. They just want to get this regular season the hell over with uh, and get into the playoffs. So I'm not backing them, but I'll be honest. I had no interest yesterday backing Winnipeg, betting on Winnipeg either, uh, with what I had seen from them down the stretch. And if you had asked me before the game, what would be the more surprising result, Colorado winning or Winnipeg winning? I obviously would have said Winnipeg winning 4-1, uh, to one, which tells you just how little Colorado really cares right now about these last few games. I mean, they've been they've been losing and looking pretty ordinary against Winnipeg's and Seattle's in some of these recent games. So uh, the Avalanche surely look like a team here that just, 
They want to get this thing over with in the regular season. They obviously don't care about going into the playoffs playing well. Uh, they just want to get everybody rested, load management. There are a couple guys nicked and bruised and banged up that they're giving some rest to uh, here down the stretch of the regular season. Uh, so, you know, that's basically the focus more than it is winning games right now uh, for the Avalanche. Tampa Bay, I guess they're awake. I guess they are locked back in. Uh, I think that's pretty clear these last three games. It started with the Toronto game Thursday night, uh, a Leaf team that went into Tampa Bay and put it on the Lightning 6-2 to two, uh, in that game earlier this month. And we ended up seeing the uh, Lightning uh, get redemption, crush the Leafs uh, in the re uh, rematch last week. And they carried that, and that was the really the first sign of a pulse and a 60-minute effort from the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, in probably a good handful of weeks since we had seen a thorough, complete, dominant 60-minute performance from Tampa Bay like we saw against Toronto. And sure enough, they followed that up with two more pretty strong 60-minute performances. 6-2 win over Nashville on Saturday, and then last night's 8-4 win uh, over the Florida Panthers. Rough night for Spencer Knight. Uh, in net, he ends up getting chased uh, in that game. And the Lightning obviously put an eight spot on the board. And boy, Nick Paul, who we talked about, bet this guy from a prop standpoint, two goals for him, including a shorty uh, in the game last night against the uh, Florida Panthers. And like I said, with this Tampa team, uh, you could, you know, load, you could bet Braden Point, you can bet, bet Nikita Kucherov, bet Stamkos Point, uh, you know, Palat, Kalorn. You can bet those guys to, you know, props and points and goals. I'm focusing more lately on Nick Paul and Ross Colton. Ross Colton was quiet on uh, yesterday, but Saturday he was certainly great against Nashville. These are two guys that are going to be their new third line come playoff time. That third line that everybody was fretting coming into the playoff or coming into the season this year. That what would Tampa Bay do without? Like we know they're absolutely loaded in the top six forward group. We know that Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, Palat, Kalorn. Sorelli. I mean, that is a terrific top six right there. What were they going to do coming into this season? A salary cap strapped team that couldn't bring back the third line, the entire third line from last year's Stanley Cup team gone because they couldn't afford the money and they couldn't get under the cap and pay those guys. All of them gone. Barclay Goudreau, Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord. And they were a terrific third line last year for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs. Hell, they were better at times than the top two lines in some of those playoff games last year for Tampa Bay. That's how strong they played uh, for the Lightning. So what would the Lightning do? to? How would they replace those guys was one of the biggest concerns for the Tampa Bay Lightning coming into the year. Well, with the way this third line for the Tampa Bay Lightning has played in these last few games, and really for the last, I would say, couple of weeks at the very least, Ross Colton, Nick Paul, and Corey Perry, you know, worry no more about a third line that can be impactful worry no line worry no more about a third line that could be uh, productive be able to score be able to chip in offensively for you uh, and we're definitely seeing that right now from this group I mean Colton Paul and Perry all of a sudden here we are late in the season and John Cooper's found a third line potentially that could be just as damaging in the play in the playoffs as the top six forward group could be. Because uh, you look at the way, especially Paul and Colton have been rolling along right now for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Colton's just been uh, absolute uh, terror lately. In the last six games, uh, Colton has seven points uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he has two, four, five, six goals in the last six games as well. 
uh, and he's already reached the 20 goal mark uh, for the Lightning this year uh, in just uh, 22 goals and 76 games for the uh, Lightning this year. And a lot of them have come down the stretch. And Nick Paul, who they got from Ottawa uh, at the trade deadline, he's been pretty damn good too. The two goal performance last night, he now has six points uh, in the last five games for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, three goals during that stretch. So, uh, you know, absolutely these, the third line, they've got a third line again. That's bad news for Toronto, <laughs> potentially in the first round, or whoever they play uh, in the uh, playoffs, um, because now they're not so concerned and not so worried anymore about how are we going to replace Goodrow, Gord, and Coleman from that team last year. Uh, and they have certainly been able to uh, do that here uh, lately uh, with that third line producing and playing at a high level for the Lightning. Uh, and they beat Florida 8-4. So with Boston beating Montreal 5-3, by the way, phenomenal ceremony classy just extremely well done as always by the montreal canadians they never ever mess it up when it comes to a pregame ceremony or when they're honoring somebody nobody does it better nobody in the national hockey league than the montreal canadians nobody uh they are as good as it gets uh, as far as honoring a past player putting on a ceremony uh, and doing it the right way and boy, did they ever do it the right way last night. It was a it was chills down your spine watching it, uh, the, the long 10-minute ovation, uh, the honoring of Guy Lafleur, just everything top to bottom was great. Unfortunately for the Montreal Canadiens fans, you know what they should have said? Come on in, enjoy the ceremony, you know, reflect on the legend that was Guy Lafleur and all he meant to the community, the organization, the franchise. And then they should have had someone come onto the ice, grab a mic, step onto the ice and say, all right, that's it. Nothing more to see here. You guys can go. Uh, ceremony over. Nothing more to see here. That's it. Go on home. Nothing's going to happen now. Nothing did happen after that, other than a disgraceful performance for the most part by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, on a night where they were honoring one of their the legendary and best players to ever don a Montreal Canadiens jersey. And all the Canadians do is come out, honor the man, by getting outshot 18-7 to and falling in a 2-0 deficit in the opening period. Great job. Hell of a job. Couldn't have done it better myself. Couldn't have imagined you putting a better picture and a better portrayal of how to really, really show the Montreal Canadiens fans and the and the legend Guy Lafleur, just how much it uh, it is to play for this Montreal Canadiens team, just how much uh, it is valued and treasured. Can't imagine you putting a better example of that on the ice than that first period. Really, I mean seriously, um, it was uh, absolutely a, an awful first period. Now, were there some things that went against them? Yeah, the penalty shot was a joke. That that was called a penalty shot for Eric Halla of the Boston Bruins when Jack Edwards, the Homer announcer of our lifetime uh, in any sport is saying that probably shouldn't have been a penalty shot. You know, it's a bad call. All right. Simple as that. Uh, and when you see it, uh, obviously it was a terrible call and uh, then he fails to collect the puck at center ice. But the rule is because he didn't touch the puck, he was allowed to regather it and then take the shot, take the penalty shot. Whereas if he had nicked the puck with his stick, uh, at the time when he whiffed on it like Brad Marchand did uh, before in a shootout attempt, then they would have said he couldn't take the shot. So that's the way that worked. Uh, and then, of course, Boston, uh, you know, Boston kind of leaked oil in the third period, kind of hanging on. But uh, a 4-3 win for the uh, Bruins, 
Uh, I, I didn't like the way the Canadians came out in that game, but nevertheless, Boston with the uh, four, uh, with the five three win, they did add an empty netter uh, late in that game to get the win. Um, Minnesota with a five four win against Nashville. What a hockey game this was! Outstanding uh, game goes over the total. I like the over. Vito really liked it. Vito, that was his best bet. Congrats, Vito. Well done. Uh, he liked the over in this game as his best bet yesterday, and it got there. 5-4 wild. Uh, an outstanding game. Uh, back and forth it went. Uh, had a little bit of a physical ten tenure to it as well. Uh, and, of course, Dmitry Kulikov with the overtime winner uh, for the uh, Wild. Uh, Joel Erickson Eck with a couple of goals uh, for the uh, Minnesota Wild. Another two-point night for Kevin Fiala, who just can't be stopped. Goal and an assist for him uh, in the victory. And Minnesota continues to roll along, sharpen up their game for the playoffs. Great game last night in Music City and a 5-4 win for the Wild there. St. Louis spoiling Ryan Getzlaff's final home game in Anaheim. And really, Anaheim had no business winning that game. None. Zero. In fact, they were damn lucky they were up 2-0 after the first period. I was, and I was damn lucky as someone that took Anaheim first period full game money line split as best bet for the show to actually even cash one of them. Uh, and thankfully, I did was able to cash the first period. Uh, and the one and one split means profit, uh, small profit, because they were both at a plus price. So we'll take it. But... Yeah, they had no business winning that game. It was all John Gibson in the first period. Hell, they started the game getting outshot 8 nothing, you know, in the first six minutes of that game. Uh, Blues are just a, a, a terror right now. I mean, they can come at you in waves offensively, and it felt all along. Even when Anaheim was up 2 nothing after the first, and Anaheim was up 2 nothing uh, early in the second period, that that lead was not safe. I mean, it was St. Louis was swarming uh, time and time again in the offensive zone, and it was only a matter of time uh, before. Uh, the Blues struck uh, and ended up uh, getting back in the game and probably taking the lead. And that's exactly what happened. The floodgates opened in the second period. Gibson actually had a great first period, but then a couple of those goals, Gibson probably would have wanted to have back. So it was good Gibson and bad Gibson all within the same game. But Kairou, Tarasenko, Barbashev, Falk, uh, Buchnevich, Scandella was a very balanced offensive attack uh, for the uh, St. Louis Blues. Anaheim could barely muster anything in terms of offensive zone time or shots on St. Louis. But Ryan Getzlaff does get a point and does get on the score sheet, at least, in his final home game, registering a great assist, a great pass on the Adam Henrique goal with just under three minutes to go in the third period. I was happy to see that. I bet Getzlaff to score a point, which was minus 130. However, we uh, struck out, unfortunately, with the big one, the big kahuna, if you will, Ryan Getzlaff at plus 550 to score a goal. That one falls short, but uh, hey, it was worth a shot uh, in, in a game like that when you know they're probably going to try to get some, try to get Getzlaff on the board in one way or another. Uh, great ceremony. It was pretty cool seeing Tamu Solani involved, you know, driving out on, on that little uh, vehicle to the uh, middle of the ice there. Uh, and yes, um, as uh, RC1, uh, tells us in the chat, yes, uh, Ryan picked very well in terms of uh, his wife, Paige Getzlaff. She's a beauty, uh, no question about that. A great family, the whole family was there, uh, absolutely outstanding uh, stuff. And uh, Ryan Getzlaff plays his final home game, and Anaheim will end the season with two road games against San Jose and Dallas uh, later uh, this week. So an unbelievable 17-year career, all within one spot. Well done. Ryan Getzlaff. And the uh, final game of the last night, it's the game that uh, we were all watching with bated breath, the Vegas Golden Knights, the San Jose Sharks, and just another snatching of defeat from the jaws of victory 
uh, by the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. I don't care what you have to do. You have to put that game in the win column when you're up four to two on home ice with three minutes to go in the third period against the lowly San Jose Sharks. I don't want to hear excuses. You've got to win. You've got to get two points there. Simple as that. And Vegas couldn't do it. Point shot beats Thompson, makes it 4-3 from, I believe it was Nieto. Uh, and then after that, of course, scramble. Uh, kind of a lucky break for uh, San Jose and a bad one for Vegas. Uh, Benito, sorry, got the 4-3 goal. And Timo Meyer puts it in uh, with point, I believe it was six seconds to go, uh, and ties the game 4-4. Uh, and then uh, San Jose, you just knew after they tied it, watch them win an overtime or a shootout. That's exactly what happened. Uh, San Jose with the shootout win, 5-4, and look, they got a point, but you know the difference it would be for Vegas to be two points behind Dallas with two games, with three games left as opposed to three points? Enormous. Now they have to play Dallas. It's just an imperative game for Vegas, and it's probably imperative that they win that thing in regulation tomorrow night so that Dallas doesn't get any points. Now they put themselves in a spot where even if they beat Dallas in regulation tomorrow night in that big, big Titanic game, they're still one point behind Dallas and just two games left at that point. So that is how uh, just de not demoralizing because they're still alive, but just what a huge blow it is to not get that second point that they absolutely should have gotten last night against San Jose. And would it kill Jack Eichel to do something in a big game for this franchise? Hell, they gave up a king's ransom for your ass. What the fuck have you done? They gave up draft picks. They gave up Peyton Krebs, who's turning into a nice little player for Buffalo. Alex Tuck, who was a backbone for your team at times during these last few years in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Backbone. Forechecking. Big goals. Timely goals. A little bit of a sandpaper element. The telescope was looking for Mr. Eichel last night. The telescope couldn't find him. Zero shots on goal and minus two going into the overtime period last night. That's a hell of a big game performance, isn't it, Jack? It's a great job. It's what they brought you here to do. Minus two and zero. Zip. Zip. Zilch. Nada. Nothing. Shots on gold, nothing in a game like that. You need two points, and you're going to do that. Seriously, he he's not used to this kind of spotlight and stage. I get it. This is new to him. Buffalo, Buffalo he never saw it. You know, Buffalo, he never was in a position to play pressure-packed games, big games, important games. And in certain games of, the, that mag, of this magnitude, there are players that know how to elevate. There are players that know how to raise their game. There are players that know how to overcome it and thrive. I think of a guy that they're going to be playing tomorrow night for the Dallas Stars, Joe Pavelski. How good of a big game player has he been for, the, for San Jose for many years? For Dallas, even down the stretch. Do you know how many big goals Pavelski scored the last month for Dallas? I remember they were going to lose to the Leafs and Toronto Maple Leafs in regulation. Who got a big deflection goal with two minutes to go in the third? Joe Pavelski, that's who. Who got them back in the game the other night against Seattle when things were starting to fall apart? Oh, yeah, Joe Pavelski. 
you know, Jack Eichel's got to elevate here. And it's early. It's it's his first year with this team. Maybe it's going to come at form at some point. But his big game status, it's lame right now. It's very lame. And it's going to be up to him. You, you just got to find a way to produce. And look, this is the same shit that we're going to be saying going into these playoffs this year about Toronto's big duo, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, who last year completely flamed out and had one goal between them. And it was Matthews that had it. Nothing from Marner in that first round series against Montreal. Kind of like it's a referendum for them this year in the playoffs, them stepping up, them producing. I don't care how many chances you have. I don't care how many opportunities you have. You got to produce when you're big guns like that. But with Eichel last night, it wasn't even a matter of not producing. You can't produce when you don't have a fucking shot on goal. It's that simple. You, 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 there's no way you're going to help your team offensively when you don't even put a goddamn puck on net for 60 minutes. Finally, in overtime, I think he had two shots. But obviously, didn't score, and the rest is history. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, end up losing uh, in a shootout. So, you know, and, and then the goaltending situation's a mess. We're hearing that Robin Leonard, I was hearing that Robin Leonard was going to back up Thompson and then opt to have season-ending surgery today. And now we're hearing maybe that's not the case. It's just absolutely, you know, it's bizarre what's going on with this team. You know, on the ice, off the ice, the decisions they've made, you know, trying to trade away uh, Evgeny Dodonov, who's actually been one of their better forwards uh, ever since that trade got voided, which was ironic. I mean, it's just all kinds of uh, things that this team has had to try to overcome uh, and uh, work on and, and, and overcome in order to try to make the playoffs. And it's just, uh, unfortunately for them, uh, uh, an issue right now. The, the coaching's not been great, I got to admit. I mean, here's Peter DeBoer in the third period here. And and he's doing this with a lead. You know, his team was still up, I believe, three to two at the time. Then they got the fourth goal made at four two. Like, it's not like they were playing poorly. They were actually playing a pretty solid game last night through the first two. He's juggling the lines with a lead. Who the hell does that? You have the lead in the hockey game. Why the hell are you juggling your forward lines? You save that for when you're not playing well, when things aren't going well at the moment. You know, the old adage in the NHL is you don't change a winning lineup. Well, your team was playing a good hockey game, and then Pete DeBoer just decides, you know, he's going to be mad scientist here behind the bench, start, you know, putting his lines in a blender. How did that work out? Blew a third-period lead. I mean, it's just, it's it's everything. It's the front office who have disrespected countless players and coaches. It's the coach who, Peter DeBoer is a step down from Gerard Gallant. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. He can, he can be good in the regular season, but we have seen that he has issues in postseasons. We have seen that he has, it, there, there's a shelf life for him. We've seen him make some mistakes. We've seen him, you know, just you know, just dick around with the goaltending back and forth. I mean, it's, and, and, and many of these players, Mark Stone is fighting it right now. He's gripping the stick too tight. Mark Stone is having a tough time right now. 
Max Pacioretty missing nets last night. Now, he wasn't as bad. He was at least noticeable out there. What? But Jack Eichel's the, uh, you know, person non grata number one, as far as I'm concerned. To, and, and that kind of an important game to have no shots on goal is a disgrace in three periods at home against San Jose, who, by the way, give up a lot of shots usually. Disgrace, that is, for Jack Eichel. Well, we'll see if Vegas, you got another chance to respond tomorrow night against Dallas, and we'll see how they handle it. So there we go. That was yesterday. Let's get into the one game tonight uh, in NHL action. It is the Philadelphia Flyers taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. We've got Chicago minus 135 home favorites in this game. And the uh, total right now, six and a half across the board uh, in this uh, matchup. Uh, I've, I would only look to Chicago here, even though they're minus 135. I don't trust Philadelphia after the kind of win they had yesterday. And it was a nice win. It really was. Uh, four to one over Pittsburgh. They outplayed Pittsburgh, 43-38. They were full marks for that win uh, against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and they beat Montreal before that, six to three. But that game against, it was a, obviously a game that's against a bitter rival. Uh, we know there's no love lost with the Flyers and with the Penguins. Uh, they played a real solid game here. They're going now back uh, to uh, Chicago. They're not rested. Chicago is rested. Chicago's coming off a very disappointing end uh, to their road trip out west, losing 4-1 to both the Kings and the Sharks. Um, now they finish the uh, season with back-to-back uh, -back home games, and then they go to Buffalo uh, on Friday uh, to wrap up the season on the road. It's just from a spot perspective. Uh, Philadelphia, I don't trust them. I don't uh, in this situation here. Now, do I want to lay a buck thirty-five with Chicago? Probably not. Like I'm, I'm not going to probably do that either. But in these last couple home games for the year uh, here in Chicago, I could see the uh, Blackhawks wanting to at least send the home fans home happy. And, and these are things you look at here in the final week of the regular season for teams that are out of the playoffs, the final home stand, and especially the final home game, which for Chicago will be. Uh, Wednesday night uh, against Vegas uh, as opposed to tonight. But there is usually a little bit of an incentive and an onus. Hey, it's been a tough season. We're not going to the playoffs, but hey, it's our last one or two home games. Let's go out there and try to get a W. You know, it's just common conventional thinking, you know, when you're talking about handicapping late season uh, NHL hockey. Uh, no question about that. Um, so I think Chicago's in a good spot, but you know, sometimes with these teams in good spots, or bad teams, I should say, in good spots, doesn't work out. Montreal was in a good spot last night. Gila Fleur night, still lost. Anaheim, you know, honoring Ryan Getzlaff, final home game, still lost. So bad teams in good spots, it doesn't always pay off for you. But I think there's reasons to like Chicago. I lean that way. I don't think I'll be betting it from a side perspective. The only thing I'll be betting side in total is a small over bet. Six and a half. You know my thinking here. It is just two teams out of the playoffs, two teams that have been given up uh, goals for the most part. Uh, not so much Philly yesterday. They had one save uh, or 37 save uh, performance by Martin Jones was on 38 shots. was definitely unexpected, uh, but I'm, I'm not so sure I trust the uh, Philadelphia Flyers to uh, have that same kind of defensive effort tonight. And it looks like the young kid is probably going to be a net for Philly tonight, Felix Sandstrom who is 0-2 with a 3.3 goals against average, 9.15 save percentage uh, in his appearances this year with the Flyers. So it's not like he's got brimming confidence right now uh, for this team. Lankinen, Kevin Lankinen confirmed in net, by the way, for the 
uh, Blackhawks uh, going into this game. So uh, the over six and a half for a small bet. Other than that, this is a game that I'm looking more toward maybe a couple of props uh, here uh, in this game. And I would look for value rather than the usual suspects. Like for Philly, you can bet Lawton and Hayes and Konechny and JVR and Farabee and uh, Bobby. Bobby Brink might be the one in the top six that you know might be worth a look. He had two points uh, against Montreal. Uh, no, no points yesterday against Pittsburgh, but he might be worth a look. I, I'd target this third line for the Philadelphia Flyers. Noah Cates, Morgan Frost, and Owen Tippett have been on their third line. Noah Cates had three points yesterday, two goals and an assist in the victory against Pittsburgh. He had an assist in the game against Montreal before that. Against Buffalo, he had a goal and an assist, two points. Uh, and an assist in the first of the two games against Buffalo. So in his last five games, Noah Cates, the young left winger, 23 years old for the Flyers, he has seven points in the last five games for the Philadelphia Flyers. Seven points, three goals uh, in those games. So Noah Cates, great prop choice, in my opinion. You want value, you want legit value, and a guy that's producing on the third line, which means you're going to get great value. Noah Cates is your guy. Morgan Frost has always had that, that there's always been that hope for Philadelphia that this guy was going to become a good goal scorer for them. It's not, they've obviously had to wait longer for him to maybe percolate and get going than maybe they thought, but they always knew this guy had offensive upside. Morgan Frost has now scored in back-to-back games for the Flyers against Montreal and Pittsburgh, and he has three points uh, in the last two games combined. It, yeah, occupancy, you're right. This looks like line of the future here for the Philadelphia Flyers. Cates with Frost and with Tippett uh, for this group. And Owen Tippett, the other member of this group, he had a point yesterday. Uh, not so much offensively he's been producing. He only has two points the last five games, but Cates and uh, Frost uh, in particular for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, uh, they have been uh, really good. Those are definitely my prop targets for the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. No question about that. Uh, Noah Cates, uh, Morgan Frost, uh, and also uh, Owen Tippett here for this uh, group. Uh, so keep your eyes out on that. These guys might be a little bit more difficult to find uh, in certain, especially with their points props, but uh, definitely when it comes to goals, you can get Noah Cates, for instance, plus 370, plus 400. Uh, to score a goal tonight. Morgan Frost over plus 400. Like, how about that? You want value personified right there? I just gave you stats that these guys are lighting the lamp right now. Both of them, Noah Cates and uh, Morgan Frost for the Philadelphia Flyers. And look at the prices you can get for them to score goals tonight. And whew, Crazy. Plus, three, plus 340, plus 370, plus 400. Uh, plus three uh, in those ranges for both Noah Cates and Morgan Frost. And, and if you look elsewhere, you can actually get Frost in some spots over plus 400 score a goal tonight. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Uh, so those are absolutely outstanding um, <laughs> goal score prop uh, value. And there's Mikey with the stats in April. Cates has five. Konechny has five. Frost has three. So these are guys that have uh, are among, you know, some of their better goal scorers lately for the Flyers. Uh, and you can get prices like that. So tremendous value here with these flyers. That, those are the be better bets. Never mind the side and the total so much. Look toward these props. I think they are good for Philly. As for Chicago, uh, from a, a prop standpoint, uh, going into this game tonight, you know, it's 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 a little bit more difficult to find the value with them because it seems like it's the same core group of players that have to do the, off, uh, the scoring for them uh, on a regular basis uh, for the uh, Blackhawks. 
Uh, and not only that, but they've only scored two goals in the last two games combined. So it's not like they've been uh, lighting the lamp. But, you know, this kind of feels like the Arizona game a little bit where we can see this team maybe get their offense going a little bit. Uh, you know, you saw uh, Kubalik is definitely – I've talked about this a lot for him uh, with him, the fact that he got benched for a few games. And really ever since then, you've seen him kind of step up lately uh, offensively for the Blackhawks. So a dominant Kubalik uh, look uh, is not bad in my opinion. Uh, for the uh, Blackhawks, uh, as far uh, in terms of a prop tonight, uh, we'll see uh, who they're. Well, let me see what their line combos are here tonight for Chicago. It's looking like the Brinkett, Stroman, Kane, Kubalik, Taves, and Johnson. So not really too much uh, turnaround or turnover, I should say, or changes uh, in the lines. But I do want to point out Captain Sirius here, John Jonathan Taves. He has three points in the last three games, and actually uh, four points in the last four games, uh, and going back further. Uh, you know, he has uh, six points uh, in the uh, last eight games for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So Jonathan Taves has stepped it up a little bit. Uh, you know, Debrinket and Kane, it goes without saying, they're at, they have a good chance every night to produce for the uh, Blackhawks. Dylan Strom's kind of cooled off. I'd maybe maybe look to stay away from him tonight. Uh, anyone on the third line that maybe could chip in? I always think Philip Kurashev is capable of being a really good offensive player for this team. And we just haven't seen it on a consistent basis. Uh, that being said, you know, he's playing on the third line center spot. He has had four shots on goal the last three games. It kind of feels like he might be due uh, to find the back of the net at some point. So if you want to go bargain hunting here for Chicago, Philip Kurashev, who's going to be centering the third line uh, for them tonight uh, in this game, that might be uh, someone to consider. He's a mammoth plus 550 in some spots to score a goal tonight. Uh, for the uh, Blackhawks, it's a huge, huge price, but uh, definitely uh, something to uh, consider. Uh, no question about that going into this game. I still think that's worth a look, considering he's getting the chances. We just haven't seen him put it in the net uh, so far. So there you go. There's a few props that I'm looking at. Bobby Brink uh, for Philly uh, to collect a point, maybe to score a goal, but more so to get a point, which is plus 110, uh, is probably something I'll be looking at as well. He has been noticeable. Uh, more so from a playmaking standpoint for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. So there you go. A bunch of props that I'll be uh, uh, dabbling in here tonight with this lone game on the Monday NHL card, the Flyers and Blackhawks. All right. Uh, that is going to be the uh, Monday show. That's a wrap. We will uh, best bet in just a second. Uh, before we do that, though, a reminder, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Uh, new customers can bet just $1 on any NHL team, get $150 in free bets if they win. DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older. Must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state. Uh, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use uh, Sign up for an account and use the promo code THPN. All right. Best bets here to wrap it up. Obviously, we've just got the one game, and it, by default, it has to be the over. Six and a half minus 110. Uh, even though I, I, I'm lukewarm on the over, I like it. I don't love it. It's only one game. It's the only thing we can go. Uh, in this one. So a uh, Flyers Blackhawks over six and a half for my best bet uh, for the one and only NHL game 
on the uh, Monday slate tonight. And like I mentioned with the props, I'll reiterate them. For Chicago, Dominic Kubalik. Um, Philip Kurashev, if you want to go for some value, maybe a little bit on Jonathan Taves. I, I wouldn't say no on Kane and Debrinkit, but you, you don't get as much value with them. And for Philadelphia, I really think there's good value with all three members of that third line. Noah Cates, Morgan Frost, and Owen Tippett. There you go. All right, that'll wrap it up for this edition of the Ice Guys. Uh, thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us. Hit the like button on the way out. Uh, if you haven't done so already, a reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will be back tomorrow for a massive Tuesday. 2 p.m. Eastern, our daily show to break down the 13-game NHL slate and then the live BetCast, our final one for the regular season tomorrow night on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. DM me if you want a link to join us on the BetCast tomorrow night, and we'll make sure we get you on the BetCast with us. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the games and good luck, and we will talk to you again tomorrow on Tuesday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.